You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I want to talk about procrastination really is what I want to talk about. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because it's something that I historically have struggled with. Um, If you have emailed me, then you know. (laughs) So it'll take me a minute to get back to you. But I'm going to start with just a couple of really wonderful examples. And the reason they're wonderful is because both of these people are my business partners. I've got two different business partners in two different businesses. They're both named Mark. So that way, even if I confuse them, I still get it right. And these two business partners are both brilliant when it comes to doing it now. For instance, today there was something that was wrong with the display on one of the bikes at the new gym. So here we are at the new gym. We got these new bikes in and something's off with the displays. It's just not doing what it's supposed to do. And he tells me about it and I couldn't figure it out. So I just said, you should just uh, call the maker. And he literally pulls out his phone instead of going on to what he was doing and dealing, let me finish cleaning this and let me keep doing this. Like whatever he was doing stopped immediately. And within a a minute, he had already found the maker's phone number. He Google searched it, pulled it up, called the number. And there will be a new display being shipped out later on today for each of the two bikes that had the messed up displays. That That was amazing. That was amazing. And the reason that's amazing is because I've had an issue with a plug on a couple of treadmills. And it's just so many hoops that this company makes me jump through that I still haven't bought these plugs. And it's been a couple of weeks uh, that, that I've been tasked with doing this just because I get frustrated. And he was on the phone, quiet, relaxed, waiting, and patiently communicating, which I have to say, like, I'm pretty good at the patient communication. It is patiently waiting when I want something done now. Uh, and the bottom line is it needs to get done. So it's a it's a lesson for me. My other partner, I told him that the tablets at an event that we were working at, the, uh, the tablets weren't working. And he was at another event at another location And he got done before I did. And when he was done, he came over to my event and delivered a tablet. So like it was, I could go straight home or I could stop by the other event and bring Rick something that he needs. And that is what this person did. And they're both very, very good at it. No matter what it is, they're both excellent at let's let's take what we're supposed to be doing right now and do it right now. And for me, being able to see that is um, is a very positive experience where I then say, oh, you know what I need to do? And then I pull up my phone and I pull up my reminders apps and I make those lists of all the things that I remind myself to do. Make sure that I call such and such to get a new plug for the treadmill that I've been delaying on. Make sure, and I go down the list of all those things that I'm supposed to be doing because they're so effective and so efficient at it. And, and they're just both the guys that are like, listen, if it's got to be done, 
Why put off until tomorrow what could be done today? What? Why put off until later what could be done in the moment? Why? And the answer is, I don't know, because it's so smart, and yet I keep delaying for some reason until I feel like, oh, the heat is on. I better get some work done. I wasn't always like this. I think uh, being overwhelmed with a certain amount of work allows me to want to procrastinate a little bit more. Uh, but early on in my management career, and I used to manage some corporate gyms in New York City, several of them actually, and I was transferred from one that was at Lincoln Center to a different gym that was at Rockefeller Center. So they just said, hey, we're going to move you. You did a great job at that gym. Let's move you to a different gym. And I did not get to enjoy the fruits of my labor at the place that I labored so hard at. And so here I am uh, at a new gym. And so I go before I started working there. I just wanted to go by. I wanted to, to meet the general manager. I wanted to meet some of the, the people there, some of the trainers. Let them know I was coming. Um, like many gym people, uh, the trainers didn't give me too much of a nod, <clears throat> at least the ones who had been there a long time, because they're the ones that are going, oh, another manager. Okay, well, he'll be here for six months to a year, and then he'll be gone, and I'll still be here doing my job without the need of a manager coming in to tell me how to do it. And, and there's a lot of truth to that, uh, actually. <clears throat> but I did show up. And when I got there and I'm introducing myself and I'm walking around the gym trying to get a, you know, a, a grasp of the layout and how it was all set up, and I noticed that the treadmills were incredibly filthy. Not so much like the display and where that stuff was. It was like that stuff may have been wiped down probably by the members and not the trainers. But the, the deck, right where the, the belt slides over on the deck on the sides of the belt, where you would stand right before you get onto a moving treadmill or if you're doing intervals and you jump off and you straddle the belt like the deck area was filthy it was a combination of sweat and dust and dirt buildup that had not been touched for i would say years they were frightening and uh and i came in the next day I came in on a day off. I hadn't even started at the gym yet. And I cleaned those treadmills. And I wanted to do that for a very important reason is that they had already seen me. They saw who I was. I introduced myself. And then here I am on a day off where I'm not working and I'm working. I'm going in to make sure that the place is clean and that the, the people who have been coming in see the place differently. They see that it is something about this place is different. You walk in and globally, like it's still kind of tidy, right? Things are put away. Uh, weights were not on the floor. The bands were not out. Foam rollers put away. Stability balls were in the, all that stuff. Like it was tidy, but it wasn't clean. And so I went in and I cleaned it and I wanted, I wanted that difference. But more than anything, I wanted the trainers that were there to see me do it. Now, I didn't ask them to do it, but you better believe when I asked them to clean something, knowing what I did without ever asking a word of them, that I'm not going to ask you to do something that I would not do myself. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. And I'll prove it to you because I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do it without ever asking you to yet. 
and you'll see me on my hands and knees cleaning those machines, one right after the other, after the other, down that long line of filthy treadmills. Why? Because when I ask them to do something as their manager, I want them to be able to see that I would do it and that I'm not just saying, hey, do this, this is what the bosses say, do this, this is coming down, I'm just going to sit up in the glass castle in the glass um, uh, room <clears throat> where people walk by my office and I can kind of wave to them and then I can sit around and play the solitaire and uh, Candy Crush on the computer screen. And I don't have to worry about doing anything because I can get everybody else to do it because that's not how I manage. That is not leadership, in my opinion. Leadership is, my dad described it beautifully. He may have gotten it from somebody else. But leadership is uh, like a, a string. And uh, if you put your finger on a string and you pull it, then the string falls in line. But if you put your finger on the back of the string and try to push it, it all falls apart. It goes in every different direction. Unless that string is really strong, unless you have a really strong, tight-knit team that you can stand behind and push them, you need to get in front of them and lead them. And so for me, all of this is an example of how do I now lead myself to limit the procrastination and do it now, whatever it is, do it now. And so a big part of my way of getting things done is making a list. And initially it was through that reminders app, but sometimes I don't open the reminders app uh, on, I have an iPhone, so there's a reminders app. It's a really great app if you use it. But I use my calendar Every single day, I need to know who's coming in next. I need to schedule my next appointment. I need to open it up and see if I'm missing anything. So I open up my calendars app, and then in 30-minute intervals, I'll list thing by thing by thing that I need to get done. All right, I need to make sure that I call and I order the paper cups, and I need to make sure that I write out my programs for who's coming in next, and I need to make sure that I, and there's my list, set in 30 minute intervals. Now it may not take me 30 minutes and that's great, which means I can go on to the next thing and go on to the next thing. And what showed as four hours of things to do was really sometimes 45 minutes if you just sit down and do it. But putting that in your schedule and making sure that you see it, that it's present and that you do it. So whatever it is, whatever it is that you know that you need to be doing, do it now. There was a book that that exemplified this really well. It's, it's called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And it wasn't a, a great book by any man. I mean, it was a good concept that turned into a, just a book of a bunch of examples. Um, and so shout out to her for writing the book and and making it happen. But basically what it was is give yourself five seconds. Like as soon as you think of something you know that you need to be doing, you have five seconds before you talk yourself out of doing it. And so today while clients were working out and I had them do timed exercises, I was like, I'm just going to bang out a few squats, not, not go to the squat rack and leave them just while they're exercising. I was doing some squats or while they were taking their break. I just squatted up and down because I know that I'm going to be limited in my ability to work out today. 
So I just wanted to get some movement that was more than just walking around the gym, picking up the weights to go return them or whatever it is. So uh, I said, let me just bang out 10 squats. Let me bang out five squats, whatever it was. And the five second rule, when that popped up in my head, boom, did it. Get it done. So whatever it is, whatever you got going on in your head, do it now. Now that could be for those of you who are studying for the NASM CPT or, or any other offering, the CES, PES, uh, wellness coach, nutrition coaching, all, that, all of that stuff, you've got the information. It's just tough to get started. Here's the good news. Once you get started, it's relatively easy. It's the starting that's the hard part. At the gym, it's the starting that's the hard part. The anticipation of the gym is worse than the gym itself. People are scared to go to the gym. When they get there, it's not so bad. And when they leave, they talk themselves into how bad it was again sometimes. And they go, oh, it's just getting to the gym. It's such a hassle. It's so challenging. It's so difficult for me. And then they go to the gym and it's not bad. It doesn't hurt. It's not scary. And yet, there's a comfortable experience and then they leave and they talk themselves out of it again, even though they know it's not hard. It's the hard part is showing up. Again, I have a client that's highly sedentary and I had trained him years and years ago and he had a bike in his home and, uh, and it was in front of a TV and he watched a lot of TV, but he just couldn't bring himself to sit on the bike and do it. He just, there was a serious, serious, serious mental block that just would not allow him to do it. I just can't do it. I understand that. I understand it. That can, that can be really challenging. I'm, uh, I am oversimplifying what can be complicated, but the great thing about, for instance, this book that I had read years ago, The Five Second Rule, was instead of focusing on how complicated it is, just do it. And, you know, there's the, there's your Nike slogan. Uh, and that's all I thought about as I was reading it. I was like, this is like Nike slogan. I'm reading this book. And it just, just do it. Just get started. And you don't have to do everything to the full extent that you had wished you had done. But as I say very often on the pod, a little bit of something's better than a whole lot of nothing. So when you get that idea, when it crosses your mind, it's time to step to it. Something needs to get done. Don't immediately go, okay, cool, tomorrow, the next day. Next Tuesday would be a great day for me to do that when you've got a gap in your schedule in this moment or in the next hour or at some point later in the day that you could get it done. Whatever you need to get done right now, take that moment. Turn off the podcast. Oh, my producer just flipped out. Don't turn off the podcast. All right, well, only listen for a few more moments and then you can turn off the podcast and then you can go do what you need to get done. But the answer truly is if there's something that you need to do right now, your CPT7, you're reading, you're focusing, you're writing out your programs, uh, preparing for uh, the business portion of what we do. Are you going to do the same thing that we do it a lot? Like I know that I need to go talk to people, but there's something just nerve wracking about doing that. But the fear of talking to people is a lot worse than actually talking to people. <laughs> you were like, well, I wouldn't want to come up anybody to come up and start selling me. Well, don't sell them. Talk to them. Start a conversation. It may take a week or two or months, or it may never happen. That that each individual you're talking to, that they're going to actually purchase personal training. 
but somebody's going to. And I know how they're not going to is by you being the wallflower. And then you see one of the other trainers just be like, hey, you drop this towel, I want to give it to you. And that started a conversation which led to personal training. And it's something you'd been thinking about for weeks. You just never did. Just to go up and talk to that person. That's all they needed was that open door to have that conversation and to purchase the training. Do it now. Do it now. Don't wait. Whatever it is, do it now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. Go on and give us a five-star review and uh, share. Share it, please. I really would like for more fitness professionals to know that this podcast is out there and they don't have to be NASM certified. It's okay. You can just share it because it's good personal training information, good business information, good exercise science information. It's just good information that I'm glad you have. I'm glad you give me a minute to share with you some of my experiences and my insights. All right. Thanks for listening. You guys can uh, hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie or and threads. I'm on there as well. Or you can hit me up uh, email, which is rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT podcast.